this is what this is. What you're looking at here now is a theatre of dreams. Every boat down along here is someone's dream. Like, that was my dream. I have no idea. I'm going to take it every minute as it just comes along. I'm just looking forward to being on the canal, getting away, having a think, having a good old think, Father, you know. Um, so, we'll see what happens. The exciting thing is that we don't really know what's going to happen. So sometimes that's a good thing, you know, because you, you you usually know what you're doing the next day, or you know, you know the experience you're going to have the next day, and it's all... So this is, we have no idea what's going to happen. Bar the boat will move, presumably. Very slowly. Slowly, that'd be it. <laughs> it's going to end up in eating dairy. And you'll end up in, in my, where I'm from, eating dairy, on the canal bank there. So I'm going home. I'm going away to come home. So <laughs> anyway, it'll be, it'll be uh, so yeah, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> my name is Eugene O'Brien, and uh, I'm a writer, and I'm from Eaton Jerry. The next couple of days are going to be on this boat, which is it's going to go down the canal for six days. This is the way to get on this boat. So who's going to be on board me this week? Wayne Brennan, who is a singer-songwriter. And Veronica Nicholson is a photographer and artist. I have duck eggs actually arranged along the way as well. I have a, a man on the canal that gives me duck eggs. Oh, lovely. So that's up near Tullamore. So that's Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday. Yes, great. Yeah. Okay. So some duck eggs yep. for breakfast. Okay. And we all ha- are either from Offaly or have very strong Offaly connections. So, and we're going to be going through Offaly uh, on the boat, which will be skippered by a man called Jerry Burke. Okay, so you've just uh, come into the wheelhouse of 68M. The 68M, the name of the boat, it's a number and a letter. Uh, the M stands for motor. You know, like there's no romantic names or like other seafaring boats. You know, there's no... Um, they don't name the boats after their sweethearts or anything like that. You know, these are hard-working boats. And uh, never, ever, ever call it a barge. You've been warned. They are canal boats. We're on a former Grand Canal Company canal boat. Uh, 60 foot long, 13 foot wide, carried 50 tonnes of cargo. The boat was uh, worked carrying on the Grand Canal from 1936 to 1960. So on the canal you do about two miles an hour. So we're off. There's a lovely sound of the reeds as it goes through. Oh, it's great. We worked on these when they were when they were working, when they were drawn all day. They say when they were transporting from Dublin to maybe carrying on Shannon, Dublin to Limerick, you know, Waterford everywhere. Also on board with us is Andy Maloney. Well, I worked on 11, 11 of them, 11 different. Uh, a canaler, I think they call them in some parts of the country. 40, 40M, 40, 43M, 
44M, 14A&M, 53M, 54M. And uh, Andy's like the real deal, he's a proper boatman. 69, 71 and 77, you know. I'd finished up in 77 in, in June 1960. But uh, for the past eight or thereaway years now, I, I uh, come with Jerry and spend a lot of my time here yeah. and enjoy it. Sitting in front of me in class. <laughs> yeah. Uh, actually, you were in a high stool. You were, you, you were in a high stool when I met you. Um, Andy was a, a boatman, and they have a, a, an annual get together. So I went to that about eight or nine years ago, and uh, met Andy, and we've been kind of joined at the hip ever since. And it flourished from there. Yeah. <laughs> It was the first job I ever had. That's all we knew when we were young, and it was your life, you know. And you got used to the men, and you got used to the water, and you got used to the boats. And, and even after that, we got it very hard to work with anyone else. You were so used to the lads on the, on the old rivers. What we're kind of finding out uh, today is that, you know... Uh, Canal boating or canal barging uh, is is a way of life for people. Like we're only going to be doing it for the week, so we're kind of honorary barge people for a week. But, but like there are some people who live on the barge all year round. Now, come in. Come in. I saw the barge coming in this morning. Uh, Jean Colvin has been living. Uh, on her barge, for example, for, for 28 years in Shannon Harbour. It's different, but it's very pleasant if you like water and you like boats. Here I have water on that side and I have grass on that side and birds and hedges and it's lovely. It's a minimalist way of life. You don't want to be collecting antiques or, or big furniture or anything like that. But if you're satisfied to be content with, with a smaller space and uh, nature around you, really, um, it's, it's a very pleasant... You've got to like boats, of course, and water. It's like, it's, you're like a water gypsy, somehow. Jerry, our skipper, uh, took us through the rules. You know that we all have to kind of pitch in, and although, we, you know, we're here to to experience the canal, and but as well as that, we are we are our crew. He's calling us his crew, and so we have all little jobs to do, and we all help with the cleaning and the washing and the everything else. My job is to get the flag down when we're approaching a bridge. Um, <laughs> that's the only task I can be entrusted to. Jerry said he'd leave me captain for half an hour, but he wouldn't trust me any longer because he said there's stones and there's rocks on the sides of the bank here and they might do harm to his boat. Yeah. So, so far, so good.
we're just taking it easy and this is your first look. <laughs> <laughs> so we're in the lock and the, uh, the the gate is closed behind us and, and the sluices have opened and the water is kind of gushing in which means the boat is rising up in the lock. Then the gate will open and we'll go through. It's kind of brilliant. The Chinese invented locks thousands of years ago. Fantastic way of just lifting. You know, in this case, it would have been 50 tonne of cargo. You're lifting it 10 feet. This was in times of, you know, before you had hydraulic lifts or anything like that. Very simple process. Just hold back the water and let the water do the work. Canals really were a very important part of Irish life and Irish commerce and Irish business. There were two kind of main, uh, I suppose, motorways you would call them now. But in those days, you know, it was it was canals, so the Grand Canal, the Royal Canal, and uh, they they ran through the the heart of the country and were a vital part of the country. One thing that we've been hearing a lot about is uh, Guinness. One of the, the uh, cargoes that the boats used to carry was Guinness, and this would be known you know, as a Guinness boat. It was never owned by Guinnesses, but one of the cargoes was Guinnesses. Uh, the Grand Canal Company carried, carried Guinness for 100 years or more, and when CIE took over the Canal Company and closed it down, CIE continued to, keep, to, to transport Guinness. Well, we, we drew everything, you know. You know, from Limerick now, it could be flour, it could be cement, it could be maize. You know, or it could be timber or wood for building, you know. Uh, even all the stuff for blacksmiths that time. Uh, even the farm machinery. Biscuits and all sundries now. Everything, everything I nearly had to go by boat that time. Yeah. Guinness was nearly the biggest lot, you know. So I suppose we, we better uh, carry on the tradition of the canal and um, have a pint of Guinness here on the boat. We've just come into Belmont Mill, which is uh, so it's our first stop, our first night. The train keeps rolling on down the sand and tone. When I was just a baby, my mama told me, son, son. Always be a good boy. Don't never play with guns, but I shot a man. It's a nice little bar on, on board this Just boat. What's the count, folks? How many are we? How many are indulging? That's one. That's two. This could be a bad keg now as well. Don't trust them. We can't assume that it's perfect. Probably drinking Guinness. This is a a, a, a fun, full, fully functioning bar. We built it um, in the style of a lake boat. We used my father used to build lake boats, um, so it's built with larch clicker built. It's, so it's a boat shape, and uh, we have a keg of Guinness on a couple of times a year. Um, so we generally don't have any problem emptying it. Keeping it full can be the difficulty. It's the luxury. It's the only luxury we have here. Everything else is tough. Do you know what I mean? We don't want people to think that, like, sort of, it's a. This is like we're just going around enjoying ourselves and drinking porter on demand. 
a soft porter. That's that's the way it used to be years ago. You have to you have to drink it though to make sure. To see, am I telling you the truth or not? <laughs> So Jerry's pulling the pints yeah. and uh, people are dropping in and uh, having a drink and, and telling some stories. I have to tell one little story against all these old bargemen. You've probably heard all the stories about Papin the Barrels. You get... Yeah. The story goes now, it's only a rumour, right, that the, the bargemen... You have four bargemen leaving Dublin... <clears throat> with a load of porter and you let them out in the middle of the wilds of Kildare and Offaly and wherever and the barrels of porter they're going to find a way into the barrel but rumour has it that they used to tap up the rim and they get a gimlet as they call it and make a little hole in the barrel and drain off a couple of pints and then they'd put a piece of timber back in the hole and drop the rim back down so it looked uh, for God's sake that's shocking. Uh, stories, it's rumoured. It's no, rumored. Some of the, some, some of the, the, the original barangemen will deny it ever actually happened. Oh, God, I suppose the word I would talk oh, no. Speaking of which... Walking all alone. Because you're mine. Keep it up. Walking all alone. Keep it up. Keep it up. <laughs> Keep it up. <laughs> I reckon that's going to be it. first night um, but we kind of stayed up talking uh, a bit till about 12 half 12 or so so we were nice and tired very comfortable lovely very cosy I mean you wouldn't be stretching out much you know but um, once you were in it you curled up and it was great very quiet very peaceful hear a little bit of snoring next door from Jerry that was it wasn't bad though uh, but no it was a really really good sleep today we are going to eventually reach Pulla so we're, we're going into to, to deep dark awfully now the boat is I think it's probably roomier than I thought it would be. It, 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 it certainly is roomier than you think it is when you're looking at it from outside, and it's quite cosy. It's kind of it's it's all kind of wooden uh, finish in a fully working kind of kitchen, small kitchen, and I think it sleeps about a hundred people. No, but you know it sleeps about many more people than you think. I mean, about twelve people. I think there's little places to sleep in every nook and cranny down the back, and and several little tiny little cabins. And then there's a there's a, a, a boiler that that heats the place with turf. You know, we we worked on it every winter, we used it every summer, effectively camping until we got beds, and then you know we got cabins, and we got the luxuries just built up little by little. But you know, you you worked hard every winter on it every weekend. When the summertime came, you enjoyed it. You recharged the batteries, right, um, and the purse, and then went straight back into it in September, October. Um, and then by the following spring, you know, you have come on that much more again. So we're just coming up to Katrina Hilliard's uh, boat. Do you want to come in? The steps, this is all very steady. Shouldn't rock or anything. She has spent 10 years in the process of, of rebuilding the boat. 
you'll go, what? They think this is great. You know, it's an empty hall. It's very much a work in progress still. We'll be camping on it this summer. It'll be a very basic. But for us, it's a, it's a bit of a lifetime dream, really, isn't it? As in the last 10 years of our lifetime to get something like this done. But it's nearly like an obsession, you say, when it's great. They, they just they become part of your life, these boats, you know. And the stories they tell and all the other boats that are in this kind of position and the stories they have and the canals and access to this hidden secret part of Irish, um, you know, Irish, the waterways and just the, the way of doing things. It's, it's fabulous. It really is amazing. You talk to anybody and there's a bit of a kind of a tease going on, oh, you know, such and such is getting the barge bug. It does, it, you know, that's what it is, but it's... It's a reverence, I think, really, for what these boats have done. And we're really lucky to be custodians of them. Um, it is a particular interest that not everybody would share. <laughs> what is a chicken? The problem is, when are we going on it? In we're going the on summer. in a couple of, couple of weeks. In the When in the week? We'll be moving on Easter weekend. They're picking up our impatience. <laughs> oh, we have to go. We have to go this year. It was amazing, really, to actually see the propeller churning up the water because she was originally a horse boat. The other barges that we can see here in the harbour, they would have originally mostly been M boats, their motor boats would have been a registration number system or similar to that. So the horse boats, there's only a couple of them around. We, we believe we're one of only three Royal Canal boats left on the system. Our boat, our darling, is called Float Number One because she was number one of a series of five floats, these maintenance-style boats on the Royal Canal. So even that, people go, Float Number One? Would they not put a proper name on her? We go, oh, wait, that is her proper name. That's who she is, where she's been. She's 120 years old, we think. Oh, those names are beautiful. Those names tell such a story. The numbers are, you know, the numbers are, they're worth a thousand words because some of them have gone through different identities. They might have changed from being an M boat, which is a motorboat, but every the numbers are more evocative than any description, really. If you're, you know, interested in what what the numbers tell you, they reveal so much. Well, we're so relaxed here now that we really haven't a notion where we are in the countryside or the county or wherever. But uh, so it's it's a great feeling. Where are we? Gillen. Gillen. Yes. All right. We were just admiring your lawn. Pardon? We were just admiring your lawn. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, everything slows down. Your head slows down, and you just—it's—it's it's very calming. And especially yesterday when the sun was out, and it was heavenly. You know, it really was. You'd have to come on the canal to to get it. I'm an old hand now. You know what I mean? But. Um, we're certainly learning that the la- in, in, in years gone by, conditions on board weren't to have as luxurious and cosy and comfortable. Very harsh conditions and very, you know, man, huge poverty and all. Uh, but uh, people just got on with it with a great sense of humour and there was a lot of divilment and, and just the fact that they, they, they would live in the, the front of the boat, which is Jerry's, now Jerry's little berth. And he has a double bed in it. So that's the kind of size of the room it is, nine foot by nine foot. So four men would, would live in that and they would put a pig's head in a in a, in a, a pot and that would and cook it on a stove in the middle and that would be the dinner for however long. And they, they might be washing their socks in the same pot, you know what I mean? Oh, the, the conditions were different, all right. But then everything was bad at that time. About, about 10 or 12 feet from the front was all the cargo. 
Norditundatje had a very smart little area to live in. There was good times and bad times on it. Ah, it was a hard job in the winter, you know. Jacobs it was. You know, and then you had to get up every night or day or whatever way it was and just stand there for four hours maybe or maybe seven hours behind there at that tiller. It didn't matter what sort of weather it is. You were out in all weathers, do you know. It would harden you up a bit now. Breakfast. Duck eggs. The ducks. That's the ducks that were running down on the bank there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I told you. This is, that was your breakfast. Jerry has done a deal on the side of the of the bank here, and he's basically given the farmer a small boat that we have had on the 68M since we left Shannon Harbour, and they are giving Jerry duck eggs and turf, and and he will get duck eggs and turf every time he comes past here. That's the first instalment. So it's on the so the, the, the sale of the boat is on the never never. You get the sense there's a great community on the canal. I mean, just that example of the of the bartering uh, of the boat for, for the eggs and the turf. Long ago, of course, it was a really important way of everyone keeping up with the news. There were like networks of news. You know, because in the canal you do feel uh, that you can be kind of cut off from the rest of the world and you don't, you don't necessarily know what's going on. But uh, when we were working at the boats, you'd be... You'd probably meet ten boats every day, going each way, you know. You stop for a few minutes and you'd have a chat with everyone and you get all the news and what went on and who was coming after them and all that, you know. Well, at that time, we'd have no no connections, you know, with, with anyone a few miles away. You wouldn't know who was dying in Limerick or who was living or who was travelling or anything else. But every boat you'd meet... You'd get the news off them, who was coming behind them, who was loading in Banner Mall, who would be following them on in an hour's time, you know. But everybody you'd meet, you'd, you'd have a chat with them. You know, I know everyone was on very good terms, you know. So we'd, we'd know what was going on all over the country. There's not a town on the waterway that we wouldn't know people in, you know. So it's a network. People that would say move the boat extensively, like ourselves, there's a couple of hundred, there's probably a couple of hundred boats. So that's a small community. You put an extra egg in, in, in the pot, you put an extra bit of tea in, you know, in, in the teapot because there's bound to somebody come and join you. It's mostly with people you know, friends, would just arrive, you know, that kind of thing. There's a great tradition on the canals, wonderful tradition of, of the people who work on the canals, tradition of families, fathers and sons, uh, you know, spanning generations. My father was a board man, his brothers. My grandfather was a board man. And all his, there was six boys in his family, and five of them bought it. There was ten of us. There was ten lads, ten boys in our family, and eight of us bought it, you know. They said it was in the blood, I suppose, you know. Learn to appreciate all that you see. 
bought it uh, in 1995 as a, a hull, a, a basic shell, and spent a number of years doing it up into what it is effectively a floating holiday home, but still uh, while remembering its history and its origins and everything else. And I think, you know, I also sort of, I guess, took over my, my father's dream and my father-in-law's dream. Both of them always said, oh, I'd love to have a barge, I'd love to have a barge. And lucky enough, you know, we managed to do it before, you know, where they were able to enjoy it for a few years before they passed away. My father-in-law, he was very much involved in it. He designed the galley and all that kind of stuff. He was in the kitchen business. And my dad did all the woodwork um, at a later stage and was always there with machinery and everything else. But it was a purely family and friends. It was a, you know, a, a combined effort. I get, the, I get the name of it's my boat, but really and truly it's a, it's a family thing, you know. While they're passed away, they're still part of this. You know, we're sort of living out their dreams, you know. So over, over here at the Canal Bank, it looks like another family uh, tradition is starting here. Well, we're just after taking over this boat, so we're trying to get it going for the for the season. Yeah, so doing it bits and pieces, putting a bit, a bit of, work, of a door you know? in it, a lot of work, yeah. So we're three brothers and this is our nephew, so. Uh, David, Brian. And Brian, Kevin. And that's Sam. Sam. Sam's going to grow up to be the captain of this boat one day he's going to be the skipper because uh, even though the lads are doing all the work Sam is, is kind of keeping a watchful eye in the background you know he's the he's kind of the the overseer <laughs> would that be right Sam would it? yeah ah, don't be shy Sam you're not shy now <laughs> I love it mm. tell me about the colour scheme my dad what? wants the same colour as Guinness. <laughs> <laughs> what colour is that? Black and white. Black and cream, yeah. We do a black and cream like the point of Guinness. But we won't drink when we're driving it. <laughs> we we, uh, we acquired the boat rather than buying it. We were given it. And uh, we'll go out every minute we can possibly get for the next couple of years. So, My wife's sister, her father-in-law, he, uh, he, he, he couldn't devote the time to it anymore so he was looking for someone to take it over so we jumped at the chance it was originally a, a, a sea boat a harbour boat Royal Navy harbour boat or something like that and it's been converted into a cruiser but it's it's, it's, uh, it's over 50 years old we well, found out about the boat just as um, my wife's dad died so we're going to name it after him so it's uh, he he was crazy into boats for all of his life you know so so we're going to now we'll I know it's they say it's bad luck to rename a boat so Obviously, we're gonna. Um, the the idea is it is a double barrel name, you know. So, but we just want to dedicate it to him basically because he was, uh, you know, it, it was kind of a very strange thing that coincided with him dying. We actually were told we were being given a boat. His name was Gordon, Gordon Fraser. So it kind of sounded cool too. So, so we're gonna call it after him. So that's the idea, and we'll be out with Gordon Fraser every weekend and any nice summer's evening. <laughs> Do a bit of fishing off the edge of it and. Uh, whatever go up a few locks and come back down and I mean, there's some parts of the canal we are going through where th there's literally locks every it seems every hour you know what I mean depending on what way the land is there 
there wouldn't be a, a lock keeper on every single lock but they would live still in houses beside locks um, and a little circular kind of window a little window at the side of the house that they can look out and see if there's bolts coming and uh, their fathers would have lived in the house their father's fathers and their father's 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 fathers so it's a real traditional hand uh, been handed down for, for many years so the lock keeper at this uh, lock is called Alan Lindley I'm just sitting there deep gazing on the, on the lock my normal lock would be the 30 or 31st in Rand the, uh, and the eighth generation living up there. So my sixth great grandfather was a foreman on the building or off the canal and him and her brother got a lock uh, because they were working on the building of the canal from Tullamore. So that's how I ended up here since you were over two hundred years. <laughs> my grandfather was a canal agent as well for the Grand Canal Company. And uh, he used to check all the cargo on the on the uh, barges and that. But he was amazed now by the they used to have tea chests coming down. He had to, have to uh, check all these tea chests, and there were foil lines inside. And uh, they were able to the barge were able to get the tea out of the tea chests. And he could never he could never figure out how they actually achieved it. You know the same with the Guinness. It was only when they smashed the cakes that they realised they had it all pegged. But they had it that well done. You couldn't see where they actually took the Guinness out. <laughs> We're really enjoying ourselves, and it's not all hard work and pushing locks and having to do jobs with the skipper. At night, we're, we've been to a couple of the pubs. And now we're in the bar, and it's uh, it's pretty late. There's a big session in, in, in it being led by Wayne, so... Yeah, we're having we're having the crack. I hope they're done um, for long enough. Do you want to test? I, there's a duck egg. I'm holding the duck egg. It's just, it's just, yeah, it's been boiled because the woman in the pub said it was a duck egg. So, anyway, do you want to try it? I guess you spoon here. Oh, perfect. All right, great. I'll just have some toast with that. Ready to go again? Or ready to go? Yes, sir. Okay. So I'm, going to, I'm having a go at steering the boat. So, uh, yeah, we'll say a prayer. What you're doing is now you're driving an Arctic, right? Right. Okay. Without brakes. Okay. Right. And very bad steering. So, the, my, what my suggestion is, is you use the flagpole as your mark. Right, that's so, where you are. As yeah. to where you are. Steering the barge is, for me, absolutely impossible. I can't do it. I can't drive a car, never learned, hopeless. I really believe you're not doing this on purpose. <laughs> it's going from left to right yeah. at yeah. a fierce rate. Yeah. Yeah. We nearly went to the bank. Yeah, yeah. Nearly? How do, you mean near, how do you mean nearly? nearly. Went to the we're bank. in the bank. We're in the bank on the stern and we're about to hit the bank on the bow. Lucky enough, the canal is only 50 foot wide, so the boat can't turn. 
going to the side. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> We're actually a ground. No, swing, swing it the other way, Eugene. No, with the nose, yeah, to get the to get the stern off. Yeah. There's a good possibility we're going to need that tractor to pull us off in a few minutes. <laughs> the canal itself was closed to commercial traffic in 1960. I finished off in June 1960 and so did we all. I went aboard in the morning and I'd done a little while in the malt house and anything I got. But but I wasn't too bad, but, but there was fellas that had 40, 30 years done on it, you know. As everyone had started very young, you know. A lot started at 12 years of age, a lot at 40, and, you know. And they knew nothing else. And the day that we were finishing, there was a man with me, and I'd say he was over 40, over 40 years of age, and he cried at home because he knew nothing, and there was nothing there at that time either, you know, for anyone. Uh, it was a heartbreak. We're coming to the end of the journey, the trip. So after five days of going two miles an hour on the canal, uh, we're in Dangan, and there is some people who really want to come on board and uh, have a great reason to come on board. <coughs> Wasn't yeah. Christy was his name? Uh, John. Uh, well, there was a Christy now. And as usual, Andy is able to trace uh, the connections uh, that these people have to, to people he would have known on the canal and uh, more, more specifically with the, with the 68M. Call me Jolie. I'm Francis McDermott Corcoran. And I'm Jacqueline McDermott Harrison. <laughs> We're three sisters, and the Jen McDermott was our grandfather, and he was the first skipper of this boat, we believe. And I've been told by the old man up there, he's 93, Michael Hart, that my grandfather was a very quiet man. When he came back here to Dangan, he would cycle out to his own house, which is approximately three miles away. And um, his wife would have boiled eggs for him. And uh, he'd cut the top off the egg and he'd give it to the wife and he'd say, you eat that, he'd say, and I'll eat the rest. <laughs> <laughs> Gentle, kind man, so we believe. And that's where he got the name, the Gent McDermott. His dress as well, He all, even on at working, he always wore um, a shirt and tie, and that's why really that they called him the gent. It was because he always dressed in a suit. When four of the sons worked on it, four of his sons worked on the boat, uh, Christy, um, Huey, Paddy and John Joe. Did you just used to say it was rough? Yeah. How are you doing? I'm Jerry. Oh, yes, Jerry. Yeah. Pleased to meet you all. Pleased to meet you. Well, would you yeah. like to come down and have a look around? I'd love to. Right, OK. Right. I can only take yeah. two of you. Yeah, that's all right. So which two, well, which two wants twins. to go? Twins. 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 Stop, I'm only joking. Oh, I'm only joking. Oh, 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 thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You can just hold on to the handrail and just walk down along there, yeah. All right, okay. No, no, 
Ladies first. Thank you. Don't do these figures in a Oh my god. Well, look some of the photographs. That was her there and she looking as a workboat. Oh god, would you look? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he oh, was yeah, our first skipper. skipper. He was the first skipper of it. And that's that's what it was like when we got it. When we bought it. God almighty, yeah. It's marvelous to think we're walking on the actual boat that he was on. Yeah. When did he die? We think about 42. Oh, right, so it's a long time back, yeah. 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 But he was still working on the boats then, he was, was he? still working on the boats, yeah. he was indeed. Yeah. 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 It's nothing like it was in his time. Yeah. Uh, when he worked on this boat, there would have been a four-man crew. Right. Um, and the, the youngest being maybe 12 to 15 years of age, and he was called the Greaser. Um, and the, when it was a four-man crew, it was going for 24 hours a day, six days a week on the canal. They were out in a tiller in all weathers. Yes. Um, yeah. You know, with a, a sort of a, a pair of hobnail boots and a big top coat. And the coat. And, exactly. and, and that was it. You know, so yes. it was a tough. It was a tough existence. Yeah. Oh my God. It was this hard. Imagine. This is some life, wasn't it? Yep. Thanks a million. Yep. You're really Keep good. Thank you. Well, there was more hardship on the working boats, but but I'd like this to very same as I, I did like and enjoyed the, the years I worked on the canal. But there wouldn't be much difference that way because it's still a boat and you're still travelling the canal or the rivers or the Shannon or wherever, you know. So far, so good. I'm, I'm still at it anyway. <laughs> and probably I might get another while out of it. <coughs>